0: You are listening to the REI Central podcast presented by Maven Realty. I'm your host, Troy Gandy, broker in charge of Maven Realty, with my co-host Dan Rivers, your eco-friendly realtor. This is a bi-weekly podcast dedicated to all things real estate and real estate investing in the Charleston market. REI Central is a monthly real estate investing meetup presented by Maven Realty and Clear Vision Coaching. An REI Central event takes place every month right here in the Charleston area. We would love to see you at our next event. Also, please know that we are not attorneys or accountants. The contents of this show should not be considered legal or financial advice. The discussions in this show are not intended to be professional counsel. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Alright, thanks for tuning in to episode number 15 of the REI Central Podcast presented by uh, Maven Realty. I'm Troy Gandy, the broker in charge, and with me as always is Dan Rivers, your eco-friendly realtor. Um, we have a cool int- uh, cool episode today. Um, I'll get to the guest in a little bit, but this is a guy we've known for a while and um, he's doing some really cool stuff. I think his perspective is really interesting. He's the first of his type, his kind that we've had in to do the episode, so it'll be really interesting to hear. Um, what his thoughts are on investing and some of the other stuff he does that complements investing. So I'm really excited to get to him. Um, we have a couple featured listings. Um, Dan, you want to go through what you got?
1: Sure. I'll start off. We have a wholesale deal. I've mentioned it on the podcast. We've dropped the price on it. It's uh, 708 and 710 Overbrook. It's it's one's a lot. One's uh, a lot with the house on it. It equals almost an acre in total. Um, it's a 3-1 right now. The bathroom downstairs has all the plumbing to it, so it can easily be a 3-2, or you can finish out the basement and make it a 4-5-2. or 5-2. If you keep it a 3-2, the ARV is about 150K. It's about 10 minutes from Clemson. Uh, that's a pretty good deal. It's 85K right now for wholesale. Yeah. Uh, we also have, I have a, a listing coming up probably next weekend. It's a renovated unit over in Woodside Manor, one of my favorite neighborhoods. Yeah. Sold quite a few in there. It's over on Kindlewood. It's a four-bed, two-bath, around 1,300 square feet, and that's going to be just under 185. Uh, that's going to be um, a, a really beautiful home, a good home, nice lot, nice fencing backyard. Um, I don't expect that's going to sit long, especially having a 4-2 in that area. Mm-hmm. And uh, we can kind of talk about the other one, but we do have a, um, a land deal opportunity over in Park Circle. It's to build 27 townhomes. Um, right off of Spru- um, sorry. Right off O'Hare. O'Hare. Sorry, right off of O'Hare. Uh, I'm not going to go too detailed on that, but basically, it's a development opportunity. If you want more information on that, if it's something that interests you, please get a hold of Troy or myself. But we're happy to help you out. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's a cool deal. Um, I think you know more about it than I do, even talking to the owner a lot more. But it's approved for 27 units. Might be something our guests would be interested in. Um, but it's a really good location. There's some cool municipal stuff coming through there. Firefly is almost done, which yep. is the um, sweet the distillery. Um, I think they're actually opening they're doing a soft opening this it's weekend. The, yeah,
1: yeah, I think so yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, that's on the south right side. And so that this is closer to Holy City to their new operation, but there's a lot of cool like new food and bed stuff in that area.
1: And shovels ready to hit dirt. They're, 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 they've already put some fill in and, and got it ready yep. to, to that degree. So we're ready to, to rock and roll. Ready to on go. On that one. Yeah,
0: it's really cool. Um, and then you already did Kindlewood, right? Yep. Okay, did cool. Um, I don't have a lot of stuff listed right now, which is nice. I've got a bunch of stuff pending on the buy side, but I just listed one of mine. It's 1202 Yemen's Hall. Um I renovated it, I was gonna hold it as a rental but it just looks really good so I'm gonna sell it. But um, that would be a really good Airbnb for somebody. So that's that's the way I was gonna hold on to it but I could just use the cash, I'd rather just sell it. Um, but there's no Airbnb rules in hand So it's 175 I think right now. Um, I got some room in there too because I own it so I can disclose that. And um, it's a 2-1 but it'd be a really low maintenance easy property, it's block and it's on a slab so be a good Airbnb and then I got a lead a couple days ago on an eight unit apartment complex in the neck area um, <clears throat> it's not our listing but they've given me the jump on it so they don't really want me to share the address yet but it's um, kind of in the Spruill area close to Cosgrove not a crazy cash flow deal but the property's in really good shape um, I'm actually helping somebody buy a four unit the same guys have listed and it's the same age and it's in exceptional shape. They've taken really good care of it. And that um, area
1: from Cosgrove Downs Opportunity Zone—I don't know if this specific one is, but I bet you it is because it's pretty wide.
0: I think it is from I,
1: Cosgrove Down. Yeah, I haven't like checked. Core and going down the neck. I'm
0: yeah. pretty sure it is. I haven't looked at the map on it yet, and I'm not. There's not really a lot of improvement that can be done in this one, so I don't know okay. if it would qualify. But um, it's like a couple blocks away from the Navy Hospital, so when mm. that gets redeveloped, that's going to be a huge boost. Um, not a lot of value to be added to it. If you ju- if you change them to two full bath, like two or three of them are two full baths and they get 1250 for those. They're three twos. The rest are three, one or three, one and a half. So if you ch- could change those to two bathrooms, which I've been told you can do fairly easily, then you can bump those from like 900 or a thousand up to 1250. So you would realize that return over time. Um, but it's an interesting property. It looks like it would be really low maintenance, and it's in a good location. So if anybody's interested in that one, let me know. When they do list it, it'll go really fast. So I would recommend trying to get to it pretty quickly, even if it's not the greatest deal. It's I think right now it grosses. Sorry, I'm going again. But one hundred seven. One um, hundred seven. Yeah, that's. That's I think the actual right now, and they want to list it for one million fifty thousand. I think you probably could get them down because they haven't really even circulated it yet. So I think if you had a a strong offer and you weren't gonna beat them up on things, they probably would come down Mm -hmm. off of that. So, um, and now we've got a market update from Dan.
1: Yep. Um, So the median sales price as of the end of January 2020, I'm uh, Looking at about 287000 a little over that, and last year, same time, it was about 265000 Now, last year, we did have the government shutdown, which did affect some of the sales in January and the moving of homes, uh, because anything that was government-backed couldn't be funded until the um, till the holdout was uh, released. So that, that does skew a little bit, but uh, the numbers are definitely higher. The median sale price this year, the average days on market are 35 days as opposed to 41 last year. Uh, and total homes sold for January are pretty good. It's 1,142 mm. homes as opposed to 955 last yeah. year. Again, that's a little mm. skewed because of the government slowdown, but it's still, as we've been talking about, it's a very strong market. Rates are, again, again we say this all the time, staying low. Mm-hmm. Um, inventory really isn't that high. I mean, certain, certain brackets, you know, certain price ranges, homes will still sit, um, especially in certain areas. Some people are overpricing homes because the market's so hot. Uh, yeah. It's not really priced properly, but any home that's priced properly um, and especially anything under about 250 to moves very quickly right now. So
0: that's awesome man. Thanks for always doing that. <laughs> no problem. <first. laughs> that's how I keep up with all the market <laughs> statistics. Is <what> I'm doing. <laughs> um, all right, man, let's get to our guests. I'm excited to have this guy in fairly near to the area. Not super new, but I remember when this guy first moved here. Yeah, 2017. Yeah, so oh, I'm a northerner uh, too. Yeah, That's, for sure. Yeah, refugee. <laughs> um, yeah, <FNG>. yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so this is Jeffrey Stoss. He's an investor, developer, builder, mm-hmm. I guess, yeah. um, and a GC. Yeah. Um, company is Resident LLC. Mm-hmm. So we're excited to have you in. We've known you for a long time. I think you're the first like developer that we've had in. Somebody that does stuff like from the ground up, and especially has the the excessive GC license that you do, because you have about the highest license yeah. you can have, right? Yeah. So it's class five or something? Yeah, BD5. Like okay. It's the
2: unlimited commercial. Yeah. So
0: so he can do just about anything, and it's a cool perspective to see. Um, I think you probably deal with way bigger jobs than what we're even messing with right now, so it's really cool. Um, so tell us about yourself, because I know you obviously just moved here recently, where you're from, what you're doing, and what you got going on now.
2: Yes, yeah, so I I... Um I moved down from New York City. My wife and I lived in New York City for about 10 years. And then I started uh, the company under a different name in a sort of a hipster creative community up the river called Hudson. Um, and I was doing large, sort of historic gut renovations mm-hmm. um, downtown. Okay. A lot of urban infill, very similar to what I'm doing now. Uh, and it was great. The only problem was I was driving twenty sixteen. I drove one hundred thousand miles. Wow, um, and got married, so it was just really unsustainable, and neither of us wanted to move to upstate New York. Mm-hmm. So losing population is actually uh. not the best demographic play. So we made the difficult decision to leave New York, but we were getting to that age, right? And spent six months looking at different cities and towns. Mm-hmm trying different things on, and uh, ended up in Charleston very much by accident, yeah. actually. And I had a coworker from a previous life who lived here, so she helped me talk to some people, and then I did really just looked at population growth, you know, so what drives my business, population and wage growth. All right. And this region has really good population growth, really good wage growth, um, and then uh, uh, market segment that i was familiar with yeah so we made
0: the job yeah it makes sense from from what you were doing to here is a pretty seamless transaction i think because if you were doing i i guess you did some historic stuff up there too right yeah all historic yeah all so and that's pretty comparable because i know you do a lot of stuff downtown here yeah um what was their historic stuff like was it more difficult to deal with their historic stuff than ours
2: no um Fun fact, so Charleston's BAR is the first BAR in the country. Right. And it's basically the Supreme Court of BARs. Okay. And so most municipalities either take Charleston's BAR rules wholesale mm-hmm. or take them and modify them slightly. Mm. So I actually started working in Charleston's BAR system long before you came we here. got here. Yeah, that's yeah. cool.
0: That was a sidebar. I was just really curious about that because I know you've done a lot of really cool... Stuff up there, and I imagine the properties are probably different. You probably had like more land, maybe more
2: a little bit more land. I mean, they were remarkably similar. So really? I did. The last project I did was a pre-Civil War whaling cottage. Okay, That's um, pretty awesome. Um, yeah. that was super yeah. cool. It was like like one of the early kit houses. Oh, okay, so it was built um, like the Sears kit. No, 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 oh, okay. no, like mm-hmm. post and beam kit. So it was built uh, in Nantucket. And then put on a ship oh. and shipped up to Hudson and then assembled in Hudson. That's cool.
0: Yeah. There's a few of those here still. These are Sears. Most of these around here are Sears, but um, Kent Houses are really interesting.
1: That is pretty neat. So you yeah. have something like that, the Carolopolis buildings here. Do they have something like that up in New York? Yeah. So like a very similar um,
2: system, strategy, and then a lot of the broader rules around historic preservation, especially as you get into bigger projects are actually coming from the Department of Interior. Right. So the Department of the Interior sort of starts, they have clear guidelines, and then from that, the city of Charleston's BAR is the oldest and most mm-hmm. defined. And so most people just take those. And,
0: and run with them. And That's interesting. Will, so you yeah. were driving from the city up there like every day? Mm-hmm. So
2: I would... Um, we didn't have any money so I, I would drive up three days a week and then just at the end of the day of it i just sleep yeah. on whatever job we were doing yeah so i had like a sleeping bag and my dog and man we just sort of chill yeah wow yeah.
0: yeah yeah that's crazy that's a cool story yeah, yeah it, was a a cool way to start. it was a fun
2: yeah. way to get into it um it's really nice being able to go home at the yeah i sure
0: and you the commute i'm sure is much better yeah like 20 I, 30 minute drive from. i mean
2: I, I drive like twelve thousand miles a year yeah
0: we drive a lot too so but you like being in charleston yeah it's yeah been great yeah it's a cool city and you came probably at a really good time i think that's when things were like really heightened with um population growth and mm-hmm. the median income was just like spiking every month we could just see it going up and up and up and that was mostly from transplants um all of us are transplants i mean You hardly meet anybody that's from here, like truly from here anymore. Mm -hmm. I feel like I almost only meet people that are um, transplants. At least people our age, especially. Um, So you're investing and developing as a GC. So I would imagine that that's probably a very interesting perspective because most of us have to rely on our contractor or whoever's managing the project for us and use their judgment a lot. But I bet your filter is probably a lot different. When you're looking at deals.
2: Yeah, it was uh, it was intentional. Mm-hmm. It is not the fact, if you're trying to like get big fast, mm-hmm. the route I chose is not the way to do it. Right. Um, there's a lot of grinding mm-hmm. for a long time. Uh, and I've got a lot of grinding to go before I'm where I want to be. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, there's only a couple of ways to really add value in real estate. Um, you can sell it, like you guys do it you can lend against it and take interest on it, or you can build it. Mm-hmm. So I am most interested in the build side and to really understand the numbers behind construction. Um, it, you just kind of have to do it. Mm-hmm. And the more experience you get doing it, the more accurate your numbers become. Definitely,
0: especially with these complicated properties because they take some very specialized knowledge. And the longer you do it too, your resources get better. So your suppliers and all that kind of stuff, your yeah. subs.
2: You know? And even, I mean, like even Lennar, some of these bigger builders, um, you know, like Costbook or any of the publicly available data mm-hmm. is off by very often like 25 or more percent. That's crazy. So even the large volume builders are keeping very detailed productivity records and supplier numbers.
0: Yeah. That's cool. So you have. This is interesting, I think, for our listeners to know, because I don't even really know the hierarchy of GC licenses. Yeah. So you have, like, the top, about as high as you can get, right? Yeah, so
2: there's there's two commissions. Um, there is a home builder's commission, and then there's a general contractor's or commercial com- uh-huh. commission. Um, they both take a lot of time and effort to get, mm-hmm. and I knew that I wanted to eventually build taller right? Um, and probably... Puddle in commercial. Okay. So I started with, um, the commercial side and then your restrictions are based on, um, either your bond or your level of liquid worth. Okay. Uh, so the big difference between a home builder and commercial other than commercial guys can legally build commercial, Mm -hmm. um, is height. Okay. So residential home builder, you're typically limited to two and a half stories. Uh, sometimes three Mm -hmm. and then once you are the commercial side you can go super vertical
0: yeah which i guess is limited obviously at that point by where you are too because you've got all these height restrictions which ours seem to be loosening up quite a bit in the last couple of years which i I think too that not to jump back but just to continue the conversation a little bit is have you noticed do you think that our bar restrictions are kind of loosening up a little bit here
2: um you know, I think that the bar is not as much of a boogeyman yes. as everyone makes it out to be. Um, in a lot of ways, I think they deserve a lot of credit for Charleston's recent renaissance. Sure. Right? Because so many cities had similar downtowns, but we bulldozed them in the 70s mm-hmm. to put up generic block structures. And so there's no character left. And because Charleston didn't do that... Um, you know, we have a really interesting and rich historic fabric downtown. Um, certainly, there are things that maybe go overboard on, mm-hmm. but their rules are pretty clear. Yeah, not and they're pretty standard um, for investors. Where you get in trouble is the materials are different, mm-hmm. and if you're used to, you know, I do, you know, a. a I'm a flipper in Goose Creek. And so I'm really comfortable with, you know, I know that siding is $600 a square or $60 mm-hmm. a square. Then you come downtown and a siding job is 30 grand. Yeah. That's kind of, or, you know, I'm used to a $200 window and you get downtown and windows are a thousand bucks a piece. Totally. And that's sort of where the differences are. Yeah. You know, it just takes longer and costs more. Yeah.
0: And that that's a good segue because you're, a lot of your projects lately have been primarily downtown which i've done some too Mm -hmm. and it's a completely different ball game and i see a lot of investors try to go downtown not you and i didn't do it i actually probably am guilty of this going downtown because it looked sexy and looked cool and looked fun and it was a completely different beast i've seen a lot of investors go down there and not really have the experience and not understand that you can't slap up the same siding, especially if you're in bar jurisdiction, you're gonna to have to use a lap or you're gonna to have to use the correct lumber and it's expensive.
1: Well it's not even just that. I will tell you uh, I have seen not firsthand but on pictures and like going through some listens i think Jeffrey's it seems like your quality of work is yeah. is second to none. It's 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 really high quality, which I would assume downtown's gonna require more of that, you know, similar to like a beach home or mm-hmm. something more upscale, but it, it, you kind of run into that as well. You're talking about Goose Creek flips as opposed to downtown. I'm sure not only what they mandate you to use, but inside as well, what you products you have to use. To yeah, try. it's all about knowing your customer. Mm-hmm. You know, so Wagner
2: Terrace, which is where we do most of our work, median home price there is 525 to mm-hmm. 550. Right. That's a different product, mm-hmm. and the folks who are shelling out half a million bucks for a home are going to be looking for different fixtures and mm-hmm. different things in their home mm-hmm. um, and being prepared for that and understanding that that is your like customer and serving that customer you can be very successful yeah um, I think it's harder if you're taking a different playbook and assuming it's gonna work everywhere in yeah the same place. yeah totally and I,
0: I had tried to do that when I did because I did a couple downtown and, um, you, you know, you can't necessarily just go pull the, like, project source, whatever, off the shelf at Lowe's. No. Like, you've got to scale up with those materials. And even then, like, so most of the time what I notice, too, is, like, <clears throat> the stuff that happens in, like, parts of Mount Pleasant, downtown, you know, Avondale burns down. Those, a lot of those trends trickle down five years later to Goose Creek, Somerville, North Charleston, all those yeah. different places. So, um, and, and the nice thing, too, about that is most of the time those material costs come down yeah by that time it's just a completely different business model but it's it's cool that you're doing both um especially the the slightly cheaper flips that's a good source of like you know smaller boosts of cash to to keep you going as you work on these really big ones because these big projects can take such a substantial amount of time 18 months that's crazy to build, yeah at least because your work is way higher than anything that i was doing down there but i mean they took me usually at least a year yeah. the, the two i did um it's just so excessive and the, the age of them is just brutal too
2: yeah we're doing more and more client work yeah um especially in 2020 we've stepped a little bit back from building on spec mm-hmm. and just I, I enjoy the client work a lot more than maybe i expected to yeah and so we've been um we're booked pretty much through till september mm-hmm.
0: that's awesome i was gonna ask
1: you like what kind of products do you have going on right now because you do a couple you do several different things yeah
2: so so we're building an office um in the neck which is super cool um with a new siding material it's corton steel hmm. which is Hmm. going to get shipped in from alabama that's really exciting that's cool what is that like it's uh like a rusted steel product um i've never worked with it i actually have a friend who's a does like ornamental gates in new york city so if you need a $800,000 $800,000 gate sure. Guy. <laughs> okay, um, and I've been looking for one <laughs> so, so he's been helping me figure out the clip system Yeah, about like how do we affix it and hold it um, and then I've got so I've got the office uh, I have a client I've been working with for a long time she's about to kick off a um, rental plus Airbnb so okay. that's two units that'll be pretty straightforward mm-hmm um, and then I'm building a crash pad for an artist. Cool. Um, and then it looks like we're about to start a second floor remodel for a new
0: couple. Um, that's a Wagner Town. Yeah. yeah. That, that
2: big high end. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we try to stay. Most of my work is downtown. Yeah. Um, Which is
0: awesome. I mean, that's. It's a niche to have. Here. It is. And I think your age, too, is great to be downtown because the, we've seen the fabric of that neighborhood change so much. And a lot of the guys that really had a monopoly are getting older,, mm-hmm. so you're you don't have as many younger people with your licensure that have the same like design aesthetic that you do,
2: yeah, yeah, I mean, it just we moved into the neighborhood in twenty seventeen when we bought our house, and it was kind of you go to the park and it's like kind of a ghost town, yeah, and now you go to that park on a Saturday morning at nine, and it is wall-to-wall strollers and young families. Yep. And that housing stock is super, super old. Mm-hmm. Um, and there aren't a ton of builders down there serving it. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the higher-end builders are going out or already out at the islands. Yeah. And they've got more work than they can handle. Sure. Um, so, yeah, it's an interesting, you know, our niche is sort of the project sizes between 500 and 1.5. Yeah. Which I realize is a million dollar spread, but that's well, where we yeah. sit.
0: I mean, it, it, it makes sense on a market like that, though, because you can go block to block, and I mean, it could be a half million dollar house, and across the street could be like a two million dollar home. Yeah, it's weird. That market's really interesting, like that. And your my situation was similar when I started doing this stuff. I thought I was going to be like all investor, mm-hmm. I and mean, then the brokering just sort of. Sped up and snowballed, and that's really the bulk of my day to day now, which yep. is great for me as an investor because it keeps that active cash flow coming, which allows me to pay the bills without having to rely as much on my projects, which is nice.
2: Yeah, I mean, living and dying by a spec is tough, yeah, because you get paid every other year, yeah. Um, but then there's also just sort of a practical I like to build, and every build I learn a bunch, right? So it's sort of like lit working out, mm-hmm. I just need to get more reps. Um, and, yeah, you know, I like that community a great deal. So it's an opportunity to work on yeah. really cool projects. That's and cool. See
0: new things. And yeah, and you get to try out different materials too and see, mm-hmm. like, what you like. That's that's really interesting.
1: Um, I, what I'd like to do is kind of switch gears here a little. We talked a little about downtown, but I want to delve into a different um, kind of conversation with Jeff because I think it's going to be very valuable. And I want to start off with uh, putting to a couple of things. Number one, you know, kind of like a GC versus subbing stuff out, putting together a construction team, like how do you go about doing that? Cause that's so important um, when you're going on investing and, and you're like flipping homes, developing homes, whatever the case is. Um, I think Troy started
2: it with just understanding that there are different types of licensure mm-hmm. and that there's a lot of them. Um, for every investor, if you're gonna work with a general contractor, you want them to be state licensed, either with Home Builders Commission or on the commercial side. But uh, you'll see a lot of folks who say that, you know, oh, I'm licensed, but they're licensed with the county. Right, It's not the same thing. Um, I think that starting with the first question, like GC or subs, my general recommendation is once you've started to get into two or more systems mm-hmm. of the house is when you probably want to start talking to a general contractor. Or if you're doing anything with the envelope of the house,
0: mm-hmm.
2: a lot of that's just about liability. You know, you're going to start to mess with the waterproofing around a house. It's kind of nice to have somebody who has a level of insurance, but between you and the next person, All right? Um, and then you know, if you're doing systems. Yes, you can manage an HVAC and an electrician and a plumber and a painter and a flooring person. Mm-hmm. Do you want to? Right. Is that how you want to spend your
0: time? Yeah, it's tough. I've I've done it multiple times. I self-manage most of mine now, but it's only because of the scope of them. They're, I'm trying to do the lower end stuff or at least the more affordable stuff. Yeah. So I'm able to do it, but it definitely gets to a point. If you're doing a, a big job... You don't necessarily, as a homeowner or the investor, want to be the one that's trying to coordinate how the HVAC guy works with the the electrician and the framer. Like, let somebody else do that that knows what they're doing that can coordinate that stuff. Because, you know, if you're just talking to an HVAC guy about going, you're not changing the walls, you're just upgrading the panel and then putting in a new HVAC system, like, they can coordinate on that. But when it gets a lot more complicated than that, like, just don't do it. Or if you have a lot of projects going on. Yeah. It sucks driving job to job to job. Especially if you have to run out and then pick up materials or something and bring it back. Like nah.
1: It's also about like delays and um, just on the property management side and having to work in with a lot of general contractors. If you have four or five different trades going in there back to back to back scheduling, making sure things happen. If there's a delay and you're managing all those subs, Mm -hmm. there could be some extra costs there or whatever the case is. Like if you don't have materials in place yet and your plumber's ready to go, if you're getting materials. let your general contractor just kind of handle all the scheduling, putting everything together. If those hiccups happen, it's mm-hmm. on them. I would think that's that's also a difficult thing when you're managing all those trades, if they kind of get in each other's way or there's issues. I mean, you tell me you're kind no, of... No, for sure. That. And I
2: think, you know, everyone, for whatever reason, the internet is full of advice. that like, Everyone wants to buy their own materials, and I think that's a terrible idea. Sure. Um, you're going to forget stuff. Mm-hmm. And or you're not going to get the right thing or it's not going to be what the subcontractors used to working with mm-hmm. and they're not going to want to work with it. And you're going to spend either your entire day driving back and forth um, or they're going to leave or, or the sub is going to leave because they need to stay productive.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And how busy they are right now, too. I'm assuming if you're bidding on two jobs and one you have, you know, Mr. Smith over there saying, I'm going to buy all the materials I want to handle. Yeah, and be involved, and then you have Mrs. Jones over here saying, "Hey, just run this project." Same, pro- you're probably going to want to go with the one that you're you have control over because you could manage your time and your expenses better. Yeah, right? I don't
2: okay. let clients buy materials. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Yeah.
1: You um, probably shouldn't. Sense. I mean,
0: especially the, the if you're doing higher end stuff too. A lot of that is special, and a lot of that needs to be ordered. Like you you can't. It's different if you need to go pick up like enough tile for a half bath. Yeah, at Lowe's, and you want to do low end because it's a rental property. That's yeah. completely different than going to like Melser and needing to get a special tile. Yeah, that's four weeks out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And then, because then you run into manufacturing issues a lot of the time too with those specialty products where mm-hmm. like maybe that foundry or whatever is like flooded or something like that and yeah. they're eight weeks out. Like yeah, it's crazy. So, definitely at least bring a GC in to talk to you because they a lot of the time too you'll run into big problems which I've experienced, especially with my big ones, I'll run into an issue where it, it, having a GC around who knows construction materials and types and procedures can get me through whatever that hurdle is, like, as minimally as possible.
2: Yeah, you know, so it's, I think there's two areas where it's prudent to hire a GC. A, like anytime there's anything structural, you mm-hmm. have to. Yeah. Um, I think permits and pulling permits add value yeah. to the property. I don't know. I mean, if, if I see a renovation or, or an addition on a property that I'm thinking about buying, I can usually tell if it's been permitted mm-hmm. or not. And if it's not been permitted, I take it out of the square footage. Yeah. Like, you guys aren't selling this because, you know, like Dan and I looked at a property the other yeah. day. Like, you know, it sold, but it sold for less. Yeah. It's like this is a unit, bed and a half bath. Yeah. This back unit is strictly like, it's just, it doesn't on, exist. A pilot block. So, yeah. in my view, it doesn't yeah. exist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, if you're if you're getting into the the guts of the house, mm-hmm. uh, if you're moving walls, um, you know, I think if you're gutting it, it's a good idea to to at least talk to a GC. Um, you know, you don't even know what you don't know,
0: right? Especially with these older properties, because a lot. I mean, even. Um, things that are of moderate age here yeah. can still be 50, 60 years old. So, yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of issues. Construction materials are completely different. The the codes and the building standards are different. Mm-hmm. So if you go doing a lot of, if you make a lot of changes, um, you're expected a lot of the time once you hit a certain threshold to meet a, a certain standard now. Yeah. And it's hard to do that on your own and to manage subs to do that stuff well, and
1: unless you're like really skilled on stuff i mean you think about what is it the, the late 80s early 90s you have poly, polybutylene piping yeah. you could be dealing with mm-hmm. you can have cloth wiring mm-hmm. you can have um federal pacific electrical paint like if you're not used to these things, that and jeffrey you knows a ton more things that i don't even know yeah. but these are the things i just understand and look for that they're going to see that you're not going to see as a regular yeah you know, yeah person 100%. that's not involved in it yeah
0: yeah so if somebody did want to bring out um, a GC to take a look at stuff and would you come out and throw an estimate at it
2: uh, generally not okay so I mean there are a couple of different ways that I'd solicit um, builder services there's a traditional I think everyone's the most familiar you call three GCs and you ask for an estimate and they come in and give you an estimate mm-hmm. and it's a free estimate uh, I take more of a cost planning approach sure. where it's You know, probably typical modest estimate for us is between 80 and 100 hours Mm -hmm. of time. Um, But we walk through all of the what-ifs, we clarify all of the things, and then I produce, as part of that fee, I'm the one who's writing the scope of work and the materials list. So, And at that point, if somebody wants to take that and go bid, they can do that confident that... The GC is bidding on the same thing. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, unfortunately, if people need work and you are in a situation where you're pretty sure that they're looking for the lowest bidder, Mm. you can always be the lowest bidder. Yeah. And then play change order management on the back end. Yeah.
0: Um,
2: I don't like change orders. I don't like to do business that way. Yeah. But a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I
0: think, too, when people are budget and they got trying to find the lowest bid... What they don't realize is they're going to get a change order like every other day, yeah. And it's going to add up real quick. It's going to get back to like you know maybe the the medium proposal that they scoffed at. Yeah, the cheapest guys get up there quick.
2: Yeah, and either they do it because that's the way they do business. Maybe they don't know. Mm Um, you know, usually construction is a pretty simple arithmetic problem. Mm -hmm. You know, you need X number of things. They all cost the same. Right. And it's going to take X amount of time. And you just keep adding those things together and you come up with a price. Yeah. Um, I'm always really weary when somebody comes back with a crazy low price mm-hmm. because they're always missing.
0: Yeah. Something. I've had that problem before where I've used, you know, somebody that I know who's made me promises on helping me build out my business and scaling and stuff and I've brought them in and they're maybe newer and didn't understand their software as much or certain you know aspects of pricing on materials and maybe labor too and then like it seems like every week through the job they're like oh i forgot that we you know i I put the wrong amount of flooring down or the wrong amount of siding or whatever and it just keeps stacking up so it's cool that you'll go out there and basically make like almost a master formula yeah that would be worth paying for yeah in my opinion for sure it's almost like it's not the same obviously but it's almost like having an architect draft a plan it's like you've got the right figures Mm -hmm. And you can work off of that. So that 100% would be worth paying for, in my opinion.
2: You know, and also, I've got a couple of investors I work with, and a lot of what we talk about are risk mitigation. Right. So we're in a 70s home in James Island. I have a pretty good idea how that was put together. Mm Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, typically this is what you're going to see. We're the coke use, mirrors in the attic?
1: Mm-hmm. As they were developing?
2: Yeah. Building you know, but like, I've seen that. Yeah. There's all of the, <laughs> like, none of that sheathing you can get anymore. So if you got to replace sheathing, mm-hmm. you're going to have to retrofit something that's going to mm-hmm. be expensive and time consuming. Um, floor systems are super expensive. So if you're going to be replacing subflooring and flooring, you know, everything costs 30 bucks and you always need 300 of mm-hmm. it. So, um, you know, helping folks get through what is reasonable and actually identifying the real scope of work beyond, oh, it's just some carpet and
0: paint. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point about the subfloor and the sheathing because I see that all the time.
1: Mm-hmm. And somebody's
0: mm-hmm. like, ah, we'll just put some OSB up there. It's like, you can't do that in a 70s ranch. You're no. going to have to go get, you know, one by or whatever it is, yeah. two by and try to match it up. And that's a lot more expensive than a sheet of OSB. Yeah, it's super time consuming. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what's, what are your motivations? Um, what kind of keeps you... sounds like you're really busy if you're on the road like that, like hitting job estimates, managing your own stuff. I'm sure you got to keep up with the licensure because we have to do all that too. Yeah. So what's keeping you motivated to like keep the ball rolling?
2: Uh, you know, I like the business. Mm-hmm. Um, it is super, super creative, Mm -hmm. which is where I like to spend more of my time, um, and also very tangible. Yeah. And that's an interesting kind of place to be. Um, And then, you know, one super fortunate thing about the GC side is generally all of our projects are coming from a really optimistic place. Nobody. Nobody decides that they need to do a huge renovation because they're getting divorced. Right.
1: That's true. You know, or somebody... Unless they want to use up their husband and son. Yeah. Unless they want to use up or <laughs> wife's...
2: Usually it's, you know, <laughs> somebody's getting a promotion or there's an addition to the family yeah. or mm. this is a project that they've been thinking about for 10 years and they're finally able to do it. So, you you know, I catch, I catch people in a really optimistic, exciting time that's in cool. life mm-hmm. uh, and it's fun to be a part of that yeah and you know it's 12 to 18 months so you sort of really in get it. to know people
0: yeah that's cool I mean you're almost like a member of the family <laughs> yeah
2: for a little bit I mean yeah. there's um, you know another remodeling contractor has brought up an interesting point which is if you're doing a big remodel your contractor's in your
0: home more than pretty much anyone that you are not directly related to. True. Yeah. Very much so. And they have, like, they're going to change the sort of, like, dynamics of your life. Yeah. Day to day. Yeah. Like, you know, you wake up and, like, the way they've built your house is going to, like, change your behavior. Yeah. Which is really cool.
1: That's why it's important to do, you know, work with someone that you trust. Work with someone that enjoys it. Work with someone that, because, as you said, if you just go with the cheapest contractor, Mm -hmm. they may just be bringing a bunch of... Different subs on a on constant basis in and out of your home that you're you know spending the twelve to eighteen months renovating or um. yeah
2: I mean within there's a lot of technically proficient builders out there I think that the technical side is broadly commoditized Um, I think finding somebody that you get along with more emotionally Mm -hmm. who you know you feel like there's a good vibe there you know you can have disagreements, you feel like you can trust them, those are so much more important than, you know, there's a base level of technical competence that everyone has to have. If yeah. They don't have
0: it. They shouldn't be licensed. Yeah. They, should they be shouldn't be to. licensed
2: or don't hire them. Yeah. Um, but I think that finding that emotional fit mm. and that piece is so much more important, both for, you know, retail and also especially investors. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a hell of a relationship there. Is it an investor or developer that's doing a lot of business and then they're G C. Yeah. That's a very close knit relationship. So if you can if those things can match up and they align, like that that's really important. I think probably just as much as where your scope of work's coming in at, what the estimate looks like is like how well the two of you can work together.
2: Yeah, both parties are taking on a lot of risk. Yeah. As an investor, you've got a lot of money on the line, you know. When things go south, they tend to go super south. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, as a contractor, it takes a certain amount of capital and yeah. working capital to employ to even mm-hmm. get a project moving. So, you know, being having a good relationship there yeah. is super important. Yeah, totally.
1: Uh, what are um, What are some of your long term goals? I guess for you as well as your company. Like, what do you you know? Some of your goals for this year, twenty twenty. But what are you looking at? Kind of like your your bigger vision of where you're gonna be at the next five or so years?
2: Um, You know, I typically, I'm trying to build a company that I can leave either to my kids or to another generation of people. And I think mostly the most successful builder developers that I've seen are multi-generational. So I kind of view it as, I'm the building block I don't expect the company to be humongous when I die. Mm -hmm. It's not a tech business. Yeah. Um, But I think I can set it up for, or the foundation for, you know, a hundred year enterprise. And that to me is pretty interesting. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a great... I remember when I first met you, I think I said at the time, like, labor and good contractors are so short right now. It just feels like that well is so dry that if you look more client facing like that's going to be a hell of a business you know? yeah i
2: mean finding to the sort of previous point subs versus gcs assuming that you can find competent subs yeah. is a huge assumption mm-hmm. i spend an enormous amount of time managing subcontractors totally. and finding subcontractors and making sure that they'll continue to come back mm-hmm. and you know i go out of my way to make sure that they are in a position to make good economic decisions for themselves, mm-hmm. so that they are not tempted to do poor, like make very short-term but necessary decisions. Mm-hmm. Like, I need four hundred dollars today, mm-hmm. even though I'm supposed to get paid ten thousand dollars when the job is yeah. is over. Like, I need it today. Yeah, um, that leads a terrible decision. Maybe. Oh, sure. So,
0: Yeah, I see it a lot. Yeah, I see a lot of like... I've had people recently um, compare some of that stuff to a Ponzi scheme where contractors and subs too are like out hitting it hard trying to get new jobs so they can get their draw Mm -hmm. to pay their past clients. Yeah. And then the new client gets boned so they have to go out and drum up another... You know, they're taking on new clients to pay off their past clients. So, I mean, labor is a tremendous struggle
1: here right now yeah I'm and that's why it's important to manage it properly having a good general contract we're we going to do it either putting in like because you make a good point so they get you to pause it yeah. they're on the job for two days it's a two-week job and you don't see them for another two weeks If yeah. we don't have timelines in there uh i don't know about penalties i've gone back and forth on do penalties actually work or not i, I feel like if they're looking at a, a proposal and there's penalties in it they're just kind of jack up their price anyway realizing they might have to adhere to penalties but you got to have some measures in place to protect yourself that you're not having that person that collects your deposit
2: yeah I mean so I think that. the challenge with penalties is the really good builders have more work than they can handle mm-hmm. and so they just skip it right? yeah exactly yep. um, you know I think sometimes processes can have unintended consequences sure if I show up to a job and there's five other contractors there I'm probably not going to spend any more time there mm-hmm. to be very honest but You know, if I know that that's the kind of the bid I'm looking at, there's a very good chance I'm not going to
0: take it. I don't blame you. I hate listing appointments when they tell me I'm meeting seven other agents this week. I'm like, fuck you! I'm not coming. Yeah, yeah. I got shit to do, man. I'm not going to go spend like three hours working on all this stuff when there's a very slim likelihood that you're going to give it to me. You'll give it to somebody for some like weird, mundane, just completely.
1: No, they'll give it to someone who says they can sell $400,000 for $500,000 just to get the listing. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's, I mean, it's oh. the opposite. Like, I already know mm-hmm. I'm not the cheapest. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that over the phone. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: I have no interest in playing contractor management, like change order management. I've been on jobs that run out of money. It's awful. Mm-hmm. It's super emotionally taxing on me. It can often put a contractor in a terrible position where we either lose money outright Or we provide mezzanine financing Mm -hmm. so that the client can get the draw, which, you know, like it's the worst possible outcome. Yeah, and so I try to position people to not be in that position. Yeah, I
0: mean, you're almost having to interview the client too, to a degree, to make sure they're not out just like, you know, renegade. (laughs) <laughs> you know, overextending themselves, which we see people do sometimes, yeah. especially on the investor side.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've recommended Jeffrey on a couple of projects right now because of the quality he has. And the first thing out of my mouth is, "Listen, he's not going to be the cheapest. He's going to be reliable. He'll do a great job. He's if you, if it's just about being inexpensive, don't basically don't waste his time because yeah. it's not it's not going to work out." Yeah.
2: Well, also, I mean, with especially with
1: investors, I'm not saying the most expensive. No, I'm just saying you're not the cheapest. So you're you're
2: but gonna with do a bunch yeah. of If the only way that an investment works is. Magically make a construction number work. Mm-hmm. It's not a good deal. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. Like you, the deals are, you make money in a deal on what day you buy it. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, and what, what, you know, one issue I have too when I manage my own because they're just lower end typically is they don't look as good as they could. If a GC was taking care of it, the punch out would be so much better. Yeah, there wouldn't be like you know seams you could see on the drywall. There wouldn't be like cock missing in various places, things like that, so.
2: Yeah, you know, and are you, I think everyone has to ask themselves, am I in a position to evaluate a scope of work? Yeah. Am I in a position to tell the difference, like, is this actually a change order? Was this done correctly? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, being honest with yourself about where is my skill level Mm -hmm. and how confident am I at evaluating people? Yeah you know it's not a bad thing it's just like do I know what framing is supposed to look like right
0: and most of us don't most of us don't know that no
2: it takes years (laughs) it It
0: changes like
2: three times a day
0: that's what's frustrating too is you know people when people cite codes I want to just like you know tell them to just stop talking because you'll hear people be like well that's not up to code I'm like "Eh, these codes change once a week like it's fucking crazy you can't keep and you know there's such a distinct difference between like renovating a bathroom in something 30 years old to building something brand new now.
2: Yeah, and you don't know what code book is actually a, what what code of book applies. Yeah. Are you on 2018? Are you on IBC or IRC? Like, yep. There's a million different code books every state has their own sort mm-hmm. of riders on top of that. Yeah. Some of those riders don't apply because of federal riders. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got a big one in South Carolina right now with There are some new rules around water management. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we're going to get some state regulations that will conflict with federal regulations. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you know how that's going to end.
0: Yeah, it will be very interesting. I mean, and that's the thing, like, I'm glad they're doing some of those things. Yeah. Because we live here and we see the flooding. Yeah. So it, it is good to do that. But when you've got all these different bureaucracies that are butting heads with one another, it's difficult. And, again, that's why it would be better to let the GC... Take care of that for you because they're going to understand those things more than us.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the other time to always hire a GC. If you're moving into a market you don't know, right? Or if you're
0: moving into a price band you don't know, mm-hmm. it really is the smarter thing to do. Like a hundred percent. You know,
1: just build it into your calculation and make mm-hmm. sure your your um, you know project can it still makes sense in the end. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, unless you want to learn a lot about construction.
0: Yeah. Which sounds cool.
1: Well it's time value. Like is my time valuable to go oversee five subs? Yeah. Probably not because I know enough. Yeah. I don't know anywhere near what you know a skilled general contractor knows. Yeah. And I could be out going find two or three more deals at mm-hmm. that time, spend a little bit more money and let it, let me know that it's in good hands. Yeah, yeah. And and I've just done, sense
2: I've done significantly fewer deals than I could have. Yeah. Because right. I wanted to gain mastery in construction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. And it
0: does sound really cool to be like, I'm going to learn about construction. I'm going to know, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm pretty familiar with like a decent amount of construction just from doing this long enough. But, but it sounds cool until you get to the end of the job when a buyer has it inspected. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh, fuck, I didn't know that I did like, X, Y, and Z. You're wrong. And now I've got to get somebody to come, either somebody to come back and fix it. Especially if the city comes in halfway through and you've not yeah. done something correctly, that that's really difficult. But you know you're gonna have to end up giving them a big credit or making the repair,
1: yeah,
0: or let the deal die and yeah. try again with somebody else. Yeah. And all that stuff can be avoided.
1: Oh, it happened. Uh, I mean, a little bit of a different circumstance, but across the street from me in my uh, whaling home, mm-hmm. didn't pull permits. Looks pretty good work on all that stuff. They haven't moved in four months. Yeah. They haven't done a lick of stuff because mm-hmm. they didn't do it properly. You get yeah. a, a GC knows what do. They're going to say we're not moving forward until we pull permits because they're going to drive around here and yeah. and, and bought this project. You and know? you want the permits? Yeah. I mean, I've had oh, so yeah. many flips Absolutely. on where
0: the buyer says, hey, "You know, do you have permits?" I'm like, "Yeah, they're all." There's a stack of them in the drawer in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you want to look at them. Go right ahead. Yeah. They're all in there because that's what they should
1: be doing there in the due diligence. Make sure the work that was done was done properly. Yeah. And the-
2: well, it's the, again, there's a mispriced risk with like unlicensed GCs not pulling permits yeah okay you, did, you hired an unlicensed GC and something really went wrong well that's on you uh, and all that liability is going to flow to you mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know okay you saved a thousand dollars but you opened yourself up to a million dollars worth of risk mm-hmm. did you actually price that risk correctly yeah
0: 100% so what kind of advice would you give to clients whether they're retail um, doing their own home or if they're investors what kind of stuff would you just try to help them out with so i think i really encourage people to hire eq over iq okay
2: you know getting somebody who you feel good about Mm -hmm. is super important um you know i always tell clients before we sign a construction contract um you know if you don't if you feel like you can't fight with me and then get over it or be mad at me or yell at me and get over it then I'm probably not your person
0: because
2: mm-hmm. at some point it's going to happen, and uh, we're still going to need to move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, firing a GC is a nightmare if anyone's ever tried to do it. Yeah, getting a GC, <laughs> firing them is easy. Getting somebody to come back in and replace them, yeah. is really difficult. Mm-hmm. And to
1: continue where it left off. Yeah. Good luck yeah. on that. They, they don't want to go the, back and start. Yeah. yeah. We're we're keep the Yeah, you do.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think asking them. So finding somebody that you have a good vibe with making sure that they have a license that is for what the work that you're asking them to do sure you know do they have a plumbing license and they're trying to do framing do they have a county license not a state license mm-hmm. uh, there's a website just go on mm-hmm. you know ask them if they're being really cagey around license and insurance you shouldn't hire them mm-hmm. um if you're super new and you want to find, you want to just look at a bunch of projects. Yeah. Right. Um, find a reasonable contractor and just offer to pay them.
0: Yeah. That's a great point.
2: Yeah. Like, hey man, it's going to, you know, I'll give you 500 bucks to come look at a bunch of houses. With mm. me.
0: And sometimes you can do that in lieu of an inspection. Yeah, I mean, at least, it, you know, if you're really just taking a quick look at it and you're trying to figure out a budget at something that you've not made an offer on yet, or maybe you've just early gotten it under your due diligence, if it's a significant amount of work, sometimes I wouldn't say to always bypass the inspection, but, you know, you can pay a contractor to come and give you their opinion and look at all the issues just as easily as you can pay an inspector. And
1: sometimes that's better because there are some inspectors out oh, yeah. here, there's some reports I see as an agent you know, you know, see contractor. You know, follow the oh, contractor, follow with contractor, follow up with contractor. Yeah. and it's like, what is this? This inspection report is almost useless. You basically said there could be an issue. I mean, I've had buyers back out of deals yeah. because they said there may be small chance it could be an issue here mm-hmm. as an inspector, and it, it you know just scares them, and they try to get. They try to get more details than they can or yeah. that they're really, exp- they're, but they're really, licensed uh, to do exactly licensed to do their professional. To it their
0: licensure might not give them the, the opportunity really to say that for liability sake. So then, and I have this all the time with repair processes with my, with listings and stuff. So got this inspector who thinks he's a hero and says, get this inspected by a contractor. You get I And mean, most of the time I have enough experience to say, I've got one right now. There's some rotted, mildly rotted subfloor under a bathroom, right. dry to the touch. It's not in the joists. Right. So I'm like, you know, if you guys really want us to fix this, we're going to have to demolish the bathroom and
1: mm-hmm. there's
0: no guarantee in what we're going to put back. This is an excessive amount of work for some mm-hmm. rotted subfloor like, that, that, you know, especially House of is built in the 60s. Yeah. So now I got to get a crawlspace guy to go over there and look at it and he's probably going to say there's no structural concern. Like, yeah. there's still some bite in the subfloor and it's not touched the joists.
2: I mean, I probably talked to a, a realtor a week. Yeah. And they just need me to do like you say okay we have a home inspection and it says like half of it's consult a gc so they send it to me and you know i give them a professional opinion and send it back and that clears it or doesn't yeah um but yeah if you're you know if you're new to the business or trying to really like crank up for the same price as hiring an inspector you can pay a general contractor Mm -hmm. to do to come with you and then also to do a scope
0: for you.
1: And especially they're especially on the investor side. Yeah, you know, totally. homeowner, they expect a little different. You're hoping that there's not a lot of things that pop up. You maybe yeah. asking the seller do the work. But as an investor, you know you go in there buying this home and doing the work yourself. Mm-hmm. Have the general contractor already out there, put it together, and then they're ready to go and do the work yeah. for you. They're ready and to go. And yeah, yeah. when you if you're especially with a
0: flip, if you're gonna sell it, you need to make sure that it's gonna pass that inspection later. Yeah. Yeah. So if you just have a contractor go ahead and look and they'll say, Yeah, this is fucked up over here, but when we repair it, this is what it will look like. Yeah. And it will meet the requirements on yeah. the back end so yeah. you're not gonna or if you're have... going to go to
2: hard money a lot of hard money lenders want to see a licensed yep. contractor oh, totally yep. and it, you know it, to do a really good estimate just takes time yeah. And so it's
0: better to get ahead of it mm-hmm. it does and to do a good one it's a, I think a lot of people get frustrated when their quotes aren't coming through right away but you want to make sure it's good so there's a lot of math involved yeah. it, it takes time to sit down in front of a computer and price all that stuff out and get a good quote yeah, to someone
1: and that's why you should be okay with paying for it because if you think someone's going to do that all the time for free they're going to do it quickly they're going to put it together super quick because they're not getting paid for it yeah. how much How much work would anybody here that's listening to this podcast do for free a mm-hmm. little bit but you're not going to do hours and hours of it when you have a paying client that needs your, right. for your business so. I know it's
0: going to depend on the confidence too like yeah. I'll do something for free if I feel like it's a buyer who's for sure really hard looking yeah. but if it's somebody kicking tires and they're not providing me any value back mm-hmm. I got plenty of shit to do. Like Yeah, look I, I will meet with anybody.
2: I'll take a drive anytime. And my understanding of an estimate is I will walk a property with you and give you a ballpark verbal estimate of about what it's gonna take to do right. it. Um and a lot of times that's enough. Mm-hmm. But if you want an actual bid, and that's kind of where I divide it, like I have estimates, those are verbal, mm-hmm. I can tell you about them. But if you want me to put together a bid,
0: I have to charge you a fee. Right. Yeah. Because it's not just my time,
2: it's 10 other people's
0: times mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. And the estimate's good to have early on in your mm-hmm. due diligence. Say, okay, cool, ballpark range to the fives, maybe the tens, depending on the size of the job. Yeah. And then later, if you're under contract, that's when you can come back in and get your more detailed bid. So, mm-hmm. totally, totally understand. So, if you did all this stuff all over again, would you do anything differently? Or would it stay the same?
2: Uh... I would have moved to South Carolina probably sooner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I would have started taking client work a little sooner. But not
1: tremendously different. Yeah. No. That's good. Yeah. It's good you're on the path. But yeah. That's
0: really good. That makes sense. You know, and you got to do whatever to get to where you are. So.
1: What about ways of a uh, little bit of a change here? What about ways that you enjoy life? Give us some things that you kind of uh, well I've got time yeah. Okay. So she keeps me busy. Yep. I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah, she's super fun. Yeah. Um
2: and walking the... yet starting to She's thinking about it. Yeah. Thinking about it. Okay. That's yeah. about one yeah. hour start. She like rolls over yeah. and she's super chatty. Mm. So that's what her bag is. Mm. Uh, and then the rest of the time I just I'm a big boat person. Okay. My wife cool. and I are big boat people. Awesome. So we are on the water as much as possible that's awesome that's mm-hmm. super relaxing are y'all yeah.
0: sleeping any with the baby
2: we're getting there so she we just gotten her sleep trained yeah. and then they go through this crazy sleep regression that sucks so we're in mid-sleep regression right now yeah. um and my wife actually works from home and manages the team in europe so she's got to go meet her team in europe mm. like next week so you're on your own yeah it's gonna be a first time yeah dude i get it because
0: ours is 16 months like almost 16 months and dan gives me shit because i take a nap like every day because yeah. i like have to mm-hmm. um because i'll be working tonight till like nine
1: um, i don't give you shit for the nap <laughs> <laughs> I, only bust, about. I only bust your chops when you're like i'm, I'm tired, 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 I'm tired. Like, i get it dude you give me time the next five years <laughs> i know i mean i get a lot of shit for going to bed super
0: early yeah and i need to do that I wish I went to sleep earlier. The, the problem with me is so many of my clients have 9 to 5. So then they start, like, I'm already, I'm now, I have 26 emails right now. Yeah. And I did not have 26 emails when we sat down. Yeah. So a lot of my clients, at the end of the day, that's when they're like, hey, what do you think about this one? And, you know, it just.
1: That's why the nap is, because I don't say, I take a nap once in a while, too, because you're, I get up at 5.30. Yeah. And then you work until 9. Yeah. So you have that little gap in the afternoon that sometimes you're not bothered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, now that, like that's the, like the only hour. time I don't yeah.
0: answer my phone. So when Dan calls me at, like. 12 or 1 or 2 and I don't answer I think he knows <laughs> like, yeah, just <laughs> a call and you can. yeah. <laughs> so yeah it's interesting though it changes um everything you know yeah. it changes so much stuff but it's it's cool I forgot you had a, yeah. a little oh, one nice man kid. yeah well let me know if you need help with any baby stuff
2: yeah well we're going to our first swim class this cool. Sunday awesome pump for it. Yeah. that's
1: really cool yeah, yeah we need she, to do that
2: she loves water yeah uh, I just... Where is that?
1: The Musc. What are you doing
2: there? We're over in Mount P. Yeah. Oh, okay. my, wife, my wife set it up, and then uh, just that's put cool. like a baby-friendly swim ladder awesome. on the boat. So yeah. That's exciting. That's cool. Yeah, the mm-hmm. boat's cool, man.
0: Let me know. Let him, Let us know when y'all go out on the boat sometime. I'd like to hop on it. Yeah. Hop on it. Well, I had a little piece of ship boat briefly. I oh. took it out like twice, and we just didn't have the room for it. Man, I
2: had a boat here before I had a house, before I had a full-time apartment. Yeah. Priorities. I was just like. I don't, <laughs> Moving here get a boat
0: I mean that's like the thing to do though like we don't have mountains we don't have a ton of geography so if you want to like get out and do stuff yeah you kind of have to do water sports
1: I don't know how true this is but I've heard the I've heard the, that we are the highest per capita of boat owners I forget it, 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 it would make sense yeah yeah, yeah. because yeah. of yeah I mean the it, it's just gorgeous on, you can be on the water basically all year round yeah mm-hmm. and uh yeah it doesn't make sense I missed my boat I had one for a couple years in Boston and I miss it yeah Oh yeah, get are Yeah. You should get another one. Yeah, it's Let cool. us know sometime. It's I'd a love great it. way to waste
0: money. Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, if you're feeling
2: like you've got too much expendable income, get a boat. Yes. And it'll take care of that for you in a heartbeat.
0: Real quick. So have you listened to, uh, read any books or podcasts or anything lately? Yeah, that I listen to a lot of podcasts. Okay, cool.
2: Um, but germane to our discussion today, I think if you want to learn more about estimating. Um, I'd recommend a book called Nail Your Numbers. Oh, cool. It'll get you... It really talks about how to develop an estimating system, mm-hmm. what that looks like, and it does it from. There's some books out from Bigger Pockets that do an okay job, yeah. but like this is by a really serious professional, and it is about like step by step how do you build a ground up estimate. Right. Um, then YouTube for building science, uh, the Build Show okay. with Matt Reisinger. He's interesting because um, he does. He's in Austin, Texas, so he's one of the few builders who actually deals with our climate. Oh, cool! And our climate is super weird. Yeah. Um, and then for Instagram, I'd recommend uh, a gal who really sharp. She runs an Instagram account called Building Science Fight Club. It's
1: huh. pretty um, cool. I like the yeah, name. Yeah, Building Science Fight Club. She posts like
2: <laughs> twice a week. And there are these really in-depth, interesting uh, discussions of, again, like hot and humid building.
0: That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people, especially our transplants, don't think about like, even our roofing systems are different because we don't have the snow mass. Yeah. We've got termite issues and we've got high humidity all the time. Like, it's so different. Um, You know, I mean, it's so rare to even have like a clean seal 100. Struggle I have all the time is like, you know, it's just so rare to have like a completely um, yeah, beautiful seal. When, when I
2: moved here, I knew a lot about energy efficiency, right. and it, nobody
0: was a fuck about energy efficiency yeah. here. It's I mean, a it's an it's uphill. All battle. About you're water telling the eco-friendly realtor. I yeah. Guess. Yeah. no, <laughs> it's just hard, man. It's an uphill battle because it's fucking yeah. with humidity, 115 in the middle of the summer, Number? like yeah. awful. Yeah, awful.
2: Water management. If you really, especially if you're burning, yeah, that's where. The, there's some tricks that are cheap, Yeah, you know, 400 500 bucks and it's going to lower the maintenance on that building for the next 15 years mm-hmm. by 40% Yeah, pay for itself.
0: It's, like, it's big God. with rentals because you're not there all the time, so you don't notice when there's a... You don't notice, like, so many tenants, especially in the lower um, kind of run of properties, don't know that their toilet's like and don't really give a shit, and don't yeah. want to even call you to tell you because they don't want to get in trouble, so... That stuff can can definitely help a lot if you can figure out how to keep moisture away. Yeah from everything. Yeah. Cool. Was well, there anything you wanted to add, man? No, this is great. Thanks, okay. Guys. Awesome. awesome. Yeah, we try yeah. to keep it pretty, pretty casual. Um, we got some eco tips here from Dan.
1: Okay. Eco tip and some stuff around the neighborhood. Yep. So uh yeah, we'll go with the coffee shop reusable cups. Uh, I know I personally forget a lot of the times, but uh, a lot of coffee shops will honor a reusable cup, they'll they'll fill it up for you. Um, so you can save on the plastic straws, etc. You can go in there with your big, uh, what do you have, is that like a 40-ounce, <laughs> 40-ouncer 40 40 ounce yeah. <laughs> right there, fill it up with coffee and be yeah. good for about three days. Um, so I definitely recommend that. And then some cool things going on around Charleston. Um, I think, I heard Mike Pence is in town, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, There's he's a lot in of town, police activity right now. Today, right? Okay.
2: Apparently yeah. speaking at the Citadel. Oh, okay. okay, yeah. There's a lot that. of police
1: activity. I was like, what is this? And someone told me it was Seavey, which is in town right yeah. now until the until Sunday um the wildlife the southeastern wildlife exposition um i haven't been to it yet but i've heard there's a lot of good things about. i went it. years I ago it, it's cool yeah. it's that's definitely
0: fun. yeah it's real neat it's it's a lot of like outdoorsman stuff now i feel like there used to be more almost like um outdoorsy stuff like mm-hmm. now it's a lot of like um game and hunting and things like that
1: sometimes
0: yeah the, so, the dog dog, dog jumping, stuff's cool. that's cool yeah. that's pretty cool that's mm-hmm. real fun yeah lots of really cool art too
1: so we got that we have a uh, since it's valentine's day tomorrow hopefully we'll have this podcast up by friday troy yeah. um it's valentine night market uh, holy city brewing and then the food and, food and wine festival around here starts march 1st that's a really fun time so yeah. i'm gonna throw that out because it's only in a couple weeks
0: it's a good way to save some money too if you're cheap because you get some good deals
1: which good investors are very mm-hmm. cheap yep <laughs> yeah they run a lot of
0: promos and stuff so you could take advantage of uh going to a nice restaurant and saving a little bit of money. So, well, Jeffrey, how can people find you?
2: Uh, Probably the easiest way is on Instagram. Okay. Not resident LLC. You can always shoot me a DM. Uh, I have a website. Just Google resident. Um, Those are probably the two easiest, best ways. Yeah.
0: Cool. Well, you can always find us same way um, online, mavenrealtysc.com. Email, text, call, whatever you want to do. Thank you, Jeffrey, for coming. This was a really cool conversation, man. Thanks, Appreciate it. Thank you. See ya. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening to the REI Central Podcast presented by Maven Realty. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions or concerns, please reach out to us. You can find us online at www.mavenrealtysc.com. We also hope to see you at our next REI Central meetup. More information on dates and tickets can be found at www.rei-central.com. Have a great day.